0: So what I'm doing now where I'm able to not only help advocate for for families and for students but I'm also able to support teachers. I mean I speak publicly in educational conferences also. What I'm doing now I could not have done if I was still working in a school district. <laughs>
1: Hey, y'all. Good afternoon. You are listening and watching Press Play with Coach K. I am your host, Kimberly Monroe. Um, I'm excited to bring a new guest to you all today. With me, I have Mrs. Tangela Murphy. And how are you today, Tangela? I am good, and you? I cannot complain at all. It's a beautiful. Uh, this is a Friday afternoon, so it's a it's a beautiful day. And Miss um, Murphy is the owner of Little Scholars Tutoring in Converse, Texas. And for those of you who don't know, Converse is a um, I guess suburb or a municipality, if you will, in the San Antonio metro area. And so she joins us today to talk about her journey from educator to, dare I say, education maven, can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, let's start out by, tell us a little bit about why the decision to become an educator. What, what drove your desire to do
0: that? Um, I was born to be an educator so nothing drove me into the field i was born to be that when i was a child other girls were playing house i played school and i was always the teacher so um so it's been it's been it was a gift given to me
1: okay I love that, and can you give us a brief overview, what services does Little Scholars Tutoring offer to the community that it serves?
0: So we offer um, reading and math tutoring specifically, and I've cut it down to only those two subjects because if students are struggling in reading, and if they're struggling in math, they're also struggling in science and social studies. Um, And we serve students pre-K through 11th grade, Right now, um, we go the math that we go up to is Algebra One. So there are a lot of kiddos that are in the eleventh grade needing to take that Algebra One um, state assessment test. So we uh, support those kiddos.
1: Okay. And are there any supplementary services or additional programs that are, are offered through through your your organization?
0: Yes, um, I am a certified special ed teacher. And I have been for years working in special education for several years. So I also offer special ed advocacy for families, um, for parents whose children are receiving special ed services and they need someone to support them with understanding the IEPs that they are receiving or go into the IEP meeting to help advocate for uh, the students' needs or for the things that the parents may want. Okay. Um, I am also a special ed consultant for teachers so I currently have teachers that um, that work with me, um, and they're special ed teachers, and I help guide them through creating IEPs, creating goals, create, creating PLAPs, all of those things that come along with um, putting together an IEP and facilitating their IEP meetings. So I'm actually on both ends of the spectrum. I work with the parents, and I, I have parents that um, that have me as their advocate. I've been sitting in meetings this year, and I also have teachers that I work with, and I typically talk to them on Sundays. That's the only day I have left <laughs> um, and uh, and I work with teachers Wow um, I also offer transitional services for those high school students that are transitioning from high school to adult life whether it's to college or whether it's into the workspace um, so we do a lot of things we offer a lot of different services that's amazing
1: um, and I'll tell you what I like so much about it is if it's a, it's to me it feels very much like a holistic approach. So you can certainly serve a student, which in turn, of course, serves a parent because that parent can take comfort in knowing that their child is getting everything they need to ensure that they get a quality education. But to think that there are parents of students who are trying to navigate areas of the education system that can sometimes be very difficult and challenging. Um, So I, I would imagine there are parents who probably don't feel that they um, really understand the full offerings of what their their school district might have and how to ask for and get what they need so I love the yes. fact that you serve on the on the student side as well as on on the parent side and for teachers to make sure that they are knowledgeable equipped prepared to take on students that a lot of people would assume
0: are a challenge if, if you will right a lot of teachers they know what, what their student needs, they know why they need it, but they don't know how to do it, mm-hmm. and that's where I come in to show them the how. Gotcha. And so, for people like me,
1: childless, <laughs> who don't know what IEP stands for, can you
0: tell us what what does IEP mean? It is it is it is the the um individual. It's an it's an individual plan. Every single special ed student, they have an individual plan that is specifically for them. So there are goals in, in that plan. There may be objectives in that plan. Um, there are classroom accommodations in that plan specifically for that student. There are accommodations for their state test that they can have in that plan. Okay. Um, so, so whatever works for that student is all written out in, the, in that individual plan for that student. I see. Okay. So that makes so much sense. So you're, um, I guess,
1: assessing, there's an assessment, I'm assuming, of what that student needs. And then there are goals and objectives set. And then there's a plan to carry out those goals and objectives.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh That is awesome. Kind of like a roadmap for the teachers to follow to support those students uh, that are receiving special ed services. Okay. Awesome.
1: So let's talk a little bit about Tell me about your career journey. So according to you, which I love, you were gifted with wanting to to be an educator, but with really being an educator, you see it as something that you were born to do. So walk walk us through your educational path, and, and then let's talk a little bit about the moment that you decided that there's more that I can be doing to reach the students and the teachers and the families who need me?
0: Um, It honestly really started when I was 18 years old and I worked at R.R. Moton Elementary. Ah. (laughs) In Miami, Florida, for those of you who do In Miami, Florida, yes. (laughs)
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) It started there um, and I worked in a special ed classroom. um, And I think that's where my love for special ed began, there. Um, and then it, I'll skip a couple of years cause I've worked in different schools and different school districts, um, for several years after that. But when it came to teaching, I started my actual teaching career here in the state of Texas. This is the state that I obtained my, my full teaching certificate. I taught in a private school in Miami, but not, not as a certified teacher so um teaching here um it has been just an amazing journey all of the different districts i've taught as far as Catula isd which is just a few hours away from mexico drive a little bit further and okay. you're right there if you're not careful <laughs> Um, and um, and I've taught as far as the Gain ISD, and I think what I really wanted to do was to teach right here in San Antonio. So I taught in different cities, passing all the schools right here in my community. I wanted to teach here in San Antonio, so I did take a position here. I was there for uh, five years. When I accepted that position, it was the exact same year that I opened this business. Wow! But I was thinking, you know, the business is still new. I'll still work. And still run my tutoring center and so i juggled both business and my um my teaching job and um and i was working on my master's degree all at the same time just juggled it all um and then um we'll fast forward five years a lot of things happened and the past two years I was sitting at my desk I've been promoted and so now I hadn't taught in the classroom in a while because I've been promoted and moved around up in special ed and I would sit at my desk and I just felt this pull on my spirit like there's more for you to do and and last year the pull was so strong it was stronger last year than ever before like I couldn't even sit at my desk I have to get up and move around and you know and like take a breath and go outside and then come back and try it again right um to get my paperwork done but the pull was so strong there's more for you to do last summer i was preparing to return back to work in july and um because that's when all of the leaders they start going back and start prepping for the beginning of the year and da, 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 all, all all the all of the things and it was so loud in my head no don't go back mm. Don- i didn't even have a real plan but it was don't go back And so I wrote that resignation letter and I called my principal and I said, I'm going to send in my resignation later. She was like, Nope. What do you want? We'll pay you more. Tell us whatever you want. (laughs) I was like, okay, well maybe I, maybe I'll stay. But then the voice got louder and it was like, don't go back. There's more for you to do. And this, what I wanted to do, I couldn't do in the school district. So what I'm doing now where I'm able to not only help advocate for, for families and for students, but I'm also able to support teachers. I mean, I speak publicly in educational conferences also. What I'm doing now, I could not have done if I was still working in a school district. You know, you know it is only I'm advocating for the school district. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I sent it and here I am. And I don't regret one day. Wow. I, I love that because people get
1: pushed, if you will, towards entrepreneurship for a variety of reasons. But one of the most common themes that I hear in whatever form it, it takes is freedom. And for so for so for some people it's freedom with my time. For some people it's freedom with my resources. And and all of those things are great. But what I love about what you just said is it's freedom to serve in the capacity that I think is best for the people who need me. And that is that is so incredibly powerful. Um, I just, I don't even have words for how powerful that is. So uh, tell me along the way, because you mentioned a master's degree, um, what was that like? So you're you're working as a teacher full-time, you're an educator in the classroom, you're working to further your education you're growing this business what was that span of
0: time like chaos <laughs> I, still had, I still had all of my kids were home and how many children <laughs> do you have you know. I have five, okay, kids. So you guys have five well, not, kids. Well, they're not even babies right. anymore. All of my children are or young adults, and I just have my son home now. But at that time, it was total chaos. There was basketball going on. There was band. There was you know just all sorts of extracurricular activities going on along with everything else I was mm-hmm. doing. Um, yeah, it was total. I'm not going to even lie. Wow.
1: And what? <laughs> and, sugar- and what would you say during that time? what was the most challenging part of building, growing, scaling a fairly young business during
0: that Mm -hmm. that time period? Um, The most challenging thing I I think was learning how to manage my time. Um, And there are many times I will find myself crying, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. But then after a while in my head, if And I, I could envision it in my head. I would open one file cabinet and that was my file cabinet for work. When I left work, I closed it and I opened the one for my business. And that was when I did my payroll, I did my everything I needed to do while I was here at my business. And I closed that file cabinet, went home and opened up the one to study. And I would study, but I didn't do anything else. That's just how I imagined it in my head, like file cabinets for all of the different things. So just kind of managing my time and making sure that I, Gave myself time for all of the different things that I had to do, as well as um, showing up for the kids, showing up for my kids, you know, not just being physically there, but like showing up for my kids. So I think the hardest part was managing the time and making sure everything got a piece, a piece of, of mm-hmm. me right. doing that time. Wow.
1: So you, okay. So you mentioned one thing that made my antenna go up. You talked about in one file cabinet, your business file cabinet, making payroll. When you started, was it just you? Were you able to employ folks in the beginning or did you have to grow to a point where you were able to support actually having payroll outside yourself?
0: The day I opened the doors was the day I had a team. Wow! And, and you're, you're not the first one to ask me that. The day I opened it, I never did this alone. What I have, what I've done, who I've served, I never did it alone. I couldn't. Because so many children have come through mm-hmm. here. Um, my first student was a student that needed um support with calculus. Well, I'm an English teacher. <laughs> I do English and special right. ed. So um so I, I did have to bring on board a tutor to support that student in calculus, who's now working on her master's degree and she still keeps up. With That's me, amazing. so. I love it. And so how many yeah. how big was this team? How many folks were we talking? Um, there was about four. I think I had about four tutors at the time. Okay, wow. And mm-hmm. and so and also tell me. I know you meant,
1: you referenced it briefly in the beginning. What drove the decision to focus on on math and and um, reading alone? And sort of what trends or patterns did you see that said these are the areas where we feel like the kids we serve need the most assistance?
0: Okay. Um two different things. One thing that drove me in the very beginning I was like, "Oh, I can do reading, math, science, and social studies because I have taught all of those subjects." Then I felt like I need to narrow down what I'm going to offer and perfect those subjects. Okay? So that was one thing. I needed to narrow it down. The second thing was as I was working in the school district, I was working with middle school and high school kids. That was struggling in math, but all of the math was word problems. They couldn't understand what they were reading. So that's where the math teacher would work with me and say, Miss Murphy, can you work with this student on this in this area? And it was just basically getting that student to be able to read and understand what they were reading in order to work out the word problem. And the same thing with social studies. The social studies teacher will come to me and say, "Miss Murphy, we have all these kids that are failing social studies, and it's just because it was the reading." So it's like it's
1: like building on your mm-hmm. fundamentals. Obviously, if you if you're challenged with reading, if it's a struggle for you, anything that requires you to read is then going to be
0: a challenge. So you yes, yes I just saw that the students had gaps. The students had gaps in their foundation. Okay. And so that it was hard for them to reach that grade level curriculum with the gaps in their foundation. And the, fo- and the foundation was the reading and the basic mm-hmm. math. Gotcha. When you're in high school and you're getting into biology, you're getting into chemistry, you're using math now, you know. But if you're struggling with some foundational skills, if there's gaps in your foundation, it's hard for you to sure, do that. You can't make progress in those other subjects because you haven't mastered the, the basics.
1: So having heard you say that you worked around, it sounds like the South Texas region. And Mm -hmm. for those who followed the show for a little bit, you know, I am fairly new to Texas. I've been here just about three years um, as this episode is being recorded. And the one thing that has blown my mind the most is how confusing the school system is here. So coming from South Florida, where... You know, you've got your your county school system that's broken up into districts, and we're pretty much all on the same calendar, curriculum requirements are pretty much the same, all of that. Texas has what's called independent school districts. And so when it comes to especially something like special education, how does that look for a, a special ed instructor? Who, is work, who has worked across multiple ISDs? Are things consistent? Are they that much different that there's a challenge moving from district to district?
0: Can you talk a little bit about what that was like? The difference comes in with services that are offered. So what I found is a lot of the smaller school districts, smaller school districts, meaning there may be two or three elementary schools. There may be one high school the smaller school districts may not offer the same services as the larger school districts, but law is law. All the school districts have to follow the law, right? Um, and uh, so, so it's it's really in the services. What I saw the services that were that students were provided. You may have a student with dyslexia. The larger school districts may have a dyslexia teacher the smaller districts may not have a dyslexia teacher, but they may offer like an extra reading intervention or right. something, right? So um, so that, that's really the difference that I saw between the school districts. Um, a lot of the districts use Many of the districts use the same platform when it comes to creating their their individual educational plan. That's what the IEP means. When they're creating their IEPs, many of them use the same um, platform. So like when I go into school districts and I sit in on meetings, I can almost tell them what page to go to (laughs) to find certain things and make these changes or add this Mm -hmm. to it. Um, But Some of them use different platforms, which is fine, but the verbiage is still the same. You're still you're still creating those goals. You're still creating those PLAAFs, you know, the, um, the evaluation from the LSSPs or the Diags are still, you know, you still have that information to read and review for your students. But, um, the only difference is like the services that may or may not be offered or provided in the different school districts just because of their size. Sure.
1: And, and the students that you serve through Little Scholars, um, are they do they come from across various
0: ISDs? Yeah, okay. uh-huh, I see. yep. They come from across various ISDs and charter schools as well. So I have public school students and charter school students that are coming through here. And I always um like to know before the students come what school they're attending because one of our charter schools in our area, if our student is in a um, eighth grade, in that school, and they're coming from math tutoring. I know that they're already taking like pre-algebra, or they may already be taking algebra, right? Because that school, that charter school, is more accelerated. So then, like their eighth graders may be taking algebra and taking an algebra star test. So that's where we need to start and prep them. And then their ninth graders are taking like geometry, right? So I just need to know, always need to know what school they're going to. So that we know as a team, where we need to start and how we need to support that student. Sure.
1: That's, that makes so much sense. And it's interesting because, you know, to talk about running a business and understanding who your customer is, that's such a foundational part of of any business model. You know, who, who do you serve that avatar? What do they look like? And for you to come equipped with that knowledge of, okay, if this child comes from X school, I already know that this is sort of their baseline for where they, they may mm-hmm. likely be. So I kind of, I know where I need to get started. And, you know, to think through all the nuances of the things that business owners need to know about the market that they serve a person like me, I I have done education in a different capacity, more community-based health wellness, that kind of thing. So out there in the community, you kind of get what you get. You don't know what people don't know when they, you know, when you present to them, but that gives you a better idea of at least I have, I know where this student is coming from. And so I know what their educational plan or their curriculum looks like for that school, basically. Gotcha. So, okay. So you mentioned your children, and you mentioned all the things, you mentioned sports, you we talked about the chaos that was. If now I know that there was a time when you offered a sports program through your mm-hmm. tutoring center. And I think that is just so, I'm about to date myself. That's so dope <laughs> and it's so <laughs> unique. So tell me what what led to that? How did that even come about?
0: Um, to be really honest, the, the sports program came about, it was December, the, our first year, and we were like, hey, you know what, all of our tutoring students have kind of dropped off because they're on Christmas break. Let's offer um, basketball because we can get them to start practicing now and then in the spring start the season. And that's kind of how it started. Um, as I started meeting our athletes, all of our athletes at the time lived on the East side over by Davis Scott, YMCA and, um, and those boys just touched my heart so much and, um, and uh, they have they had grown so much just working with us. It had gotten to where I was able to open up my center and tutor those boys because they needed the support and reading and in math in school as well as, um supporting them athletically they learned skills they learned skills like how to work as a team Um, uh, our coach would tell them all the time this is a team sport basketball is a team sport so they had to learn how to work together and stop hogging the ball right and she would say if you want to play an individual sport and be a star go run track. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, so there was just so many things that they learned coming in with us, um, with, uh, coming into our basketball team. I had a family come to me one time and I didn't know the whole season. They couldn't pay for games. They couldn't pay for uniforms. I figured it out. You know, I would I paid for his uniform. I figured out how to get his games paid for. Um, and at the end of the season, his dad came to me and he said, Miss Murphy, if it wasn't for your basketball team, I don't know where my son would be right now. And I was like, oh, you know, like we're all family. We're the LST family, you know? And he was like, no, we are homeless. We live in a homeless shelter. And we just didn't have the money for him to be on your team, but you still found a way for him to play. Wow. And I was like, I didn't even know, like, I just didn't even know his, either one parent, both parents were never there at the same time. It was one or the other. And I just didn't know how much of an impact we were making on, on athletes, on families at that time, um, it was just really incredible. It was it was just an incredible experience. So, so yes, it was, we were LST athletics and uh, we had our basketball team, middle school and our high school boys. Oh my goodness. Those high school boys called me coach mom. Coach, coach mom. <laughs> I love that. Coach mom, you have some snack in
1: your car. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And, and, you know, you to know. to go back to the idea of your program really being a holistic one, because there are, people are multifaceted. And for some folks, it would be, this is a tutoring program. This is a tutoring center. What we do here is we tutor kids, (laughs) you know, but to think about the benefits of physical activity, number one, in and of itself, to think about the benefits of team sport, like you mentioned, and everything that it, it teaches a child as they're transitioning into adulthood, to find yet another avenue to be able to serve students and to serve your community, I think that is is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I know you you mentioned to me earlier that it's something that you're not you stopped offering because of COVID.
0: And are there plans to
1: bring that program back at some point in the future?
0: Yes, we have talked about bringing it back. I really want to bring it back just because of the impact we have we were making on so many um, on so many kids. Um, but because of COVID, we stopped it because I was like, oh, it's just too close quarters, you oh. know, We're all too close. The gyms were always packed and, and full and all that jazz. Um, but yes, we are thinking about bringing back our athletic program. Um, we may not do it all year like we were doing it before. It may be like, okay, we're doing basketball for the summer or we're doing basketball for the spring, you know, and just do it for the season. But we are definitely looking at bringing back our, um, our basketball Okay, team. perfect.
1: Now, you, so to speak of summer, you also have summer enrichment programs. So let's talk a little bit about how did that
0: come to be? So our summer program was mainly because, as a teacher, when students came back, it was like starting all over with them. Um, So here at my tutoring center, I wanted to offer a summer program, and it first started off as we're going to do a reading summer program to keep kids reading all year. and uh and so that's what we did in the past we just ran a full reading summer program um and it was mainly to prevent that summer slide which is where kids are not reading for june and july and they come in in uh, mid-august and they have forgotten a lot of the things that they've learned so so yeah that's where the summer program really all started just to keep kids reading through the summer this summer, I've put a little spin on it, and we're not doing reading. Instead, I'm doing, it is going to be scientifically spectacular. <laughs> it is going to be a science uh, summer program, and the kids will be engaged in in so many different things. It's going to be amazing. Oh, my goodness. I love that. that. That sounds like fun.
1: And to talk about the summer slide, so... I can only imagine what it must have been like to have students come back after mm-hmm. going through virtual learning during the pandemic, right? And I've had countless mm-hmm. conversations with 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 people, with parents, and I'll remind those who don't know, I am not a parent, I don't have children, I don't know the first thing about navigating the school system at all, but to have talked to parents about the struggles of... Um, distance, you know, remote learning for, for children. Can you talk a little bit mm-hmm. about what that looked like when, when your kids came back having basically gone virtual for almost two
0: years? What, yeah, two what was years. that like? It's sad. It's really sad. I'll talk about how, how it is right, right now. Like not when they first came back, but right, right now, even today, I still get phone calls. I can't tell you how many second grade students I have in this tutoring center. What grade were those those babies in during COVID? Right. Right. Um, And that's where they still are. That's where they still are academically. I'm still teaching all of those basic phonetic sounds to those second grade babies because when COVID hit, they were in kindergarten. So it's, it's really sad when I, when I get them in and I just, I look at all my, my second graders, my third graders, they were all that kindergarten, first grade level when COVID hit. And I'm, I'm just like, this isn't just converse. This is all over. Right. I cannot help every child all over. What I can do is, which is what I am doing, which is why I left my job to do this. I am speaking to educators. Indirectly, I'm helping students because I'm helping other educators. You know? So, like my conference that I have this month, I'm speaking to educators in Georgia. Those educators will go back and take what I've what I've learned, what I've taught them and apply it in their classroom. So indirectly, and they will share it with another teacher who can apply it in their classroom and they will share it and they will use it, right? So indirectly, I'm able to help and serve more students than I could possibly touch myself. And and to think about that
1: ripple effect of one decision to listen to that very loud voice in your head that said, don't come back. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, yeah. I, I I love that so much. So, when it comes to the advocacy piece of it, could you have ever envisioned in the very beginning when your focus was primarily tutoring students was that a uh, was that seed always there, or did it sort of morph along the way where you realized there were some additional needs and you had the capacity you and your team to fill those needs
0: mm-hmm. um that idea started to grow within me when i took on the position i took on uh, the position of at at my school district it was called course leader special ed course leader and i was training special ed teachers and general general education teachers also and that's when i realized these teachers are not serving these students the way they should partially because they don't know how to and the other part may be because they don't want to it's too time consuming and teachers are already overwhelmed and so i started advocating for my students on my caseload on my campus but when i stepped out of the school district i was like if those few kids needed that kind of advocacy on my campus there must be more how many other kids are suffering? How many other kids are not receiving services? How many other families don't understand what's in their student's IEP? And so that's when I opened myself up to advocacy. And I've had parents say things to me like, "Miss Murphy, I never understood what was happening in those meetings until you came. And I would not allow the meeting to close if my parent didn't understand. And if... The campus couldn't explain it in such a way for my parents to understand, I would then explain it. I call it, I call it doing a family-friendly IEP meeting. We call it ARDs here in Texas. Do a family-friendly ARD. Make sure your families understand what you're saying because special ed is a whole language. And I've been in meetings myself. Whether I I was observing another teacher in the meeting or I was facilitating the meeting, the parents would sit there clueless because we're speaking our special ed language. It's a total language, right? And so so I just really wanted to support those families that I saw come on my campus that wanted support and needed support. And I'm like, there has to be more. It's not just isolated to my campus. And when I opened myself up, people just started coming and they were like, we need your help. And
1: you know, it's interesting how- the con- the application may be different, but the concept is the same. When you talked about drilling down on math skills and reading skills because those foundational skills made it possible for students to excel in other areas, to think with parents, it's the same exact thing. So if that parent is sitting in a meeting where they're discussing their child's educational plan... And they don't, at a base level, understand what's being stated. Like you said before, there are gaps in their foundation. So then they don't have the tools to help their child excel. So same exact concept, just different application, but it's it's all related. And so it seems like you have a, um, a framework, essentially, for how you serve your students, how you serve your teachers, how you serve your parents. It's filling those knowledge gaps so that all of the best decisions can be made and if that understanding's not there, that that child can't move forward. And that's a very basic thing to understand. Um wow. Wow. So what's next for you? Um, as you as you kind of look out future state and you're thinking about continuing to grow and and to
0: scale, what what's next for you guys? Um as far as the tutoring center, I would like to have more than one center in our city. Um I'm even thinking of uh opening up a center in the Florida area. Don't know if it'll be Miami, but in the Florida area. Um, but I think the biggest next step that I'm actually working towards right now is um, getting contracts with different school districts in the state, within the state of Texas right now, Houston, Humble ISD, um, uh, Katie ISD, um, you know, that school districts, uh, being able to, you um, have contracts with those school districts to go in and provide professional development to their teachers. And and that that is that's amazing. And to again
1: we're talking that ripple effect to think if you had made the decision, this very safe and comfortable decision, to very stay at your job and maintain status quo, you could have certainly helped the students in your classroom. You could have certainly helped the students that come to your center, but to know the reach that you will be able to have by providing those professional development services to other teachers who can then better serve their students, their parents, their communities. The reach is so much greater, which is right. remarkable. Right. Yeah. So right. I like to ask um, my guests um, some questions about just your some of your personal stuff. What are you reading? Because I, I, if there's one thing I know, most entrepreneurs I know, they like to read and to whether it's staying up on industry knowledge or, you know, gaining some professional development themselves, what's, what's on your nightstand?
0: So I read a lot of books on leadership. I've read a lot of books on leadership. Um, I can say that the one book that really touched me and really, gave me confirmation for my business is the TD Jakes books, Mm. destiny. I read destiny in like 24 hours. That good. (laughs) It was, yeah, it it just spoke to me so much. I literally read it in 24 hours, six years ago. Um, and that really confirmed that that gave me confirmation. Yes. I need to open this tutoring center before I knew that I would be doing these things that I'm doing now. I was like, Mm -hmm. yes, I need to do this. Um, I keep like okay. I have this book here called "Caffeinated okay. Learning." You see, I've been <laughs> I've been tabbing it, and so this book here, because I'm doing um uh, PDs, I'm doing professional development trainings now, and um and speaking in educational conferences. This book here kind of keeps me up on different things I can do to keep um my um my guest engaged. Um, and then I always feel like that people should be always open to feedback no matter how fabulous i think i am right um i need to always be open to feedback and so this is the other book that i am digging into thanks for the feedback awesome i i think that
1: is so true and even in my um my other profession one of the things that I do, it's not even like a formal 360 because I don't get HR involved, but when we do performance feedback, when I do it for my team, I have someone that I work with um, who she does surveys for me that she pushes out to my team so that they're truly anonymous. And then she aggregates, you know, the responses and everything and she sends them back to me. And I, and I tell them just, I'm, I don't know who you are. I can't identify you. I don't, Deploy the survey. Somebody else does it for me, but I need to be honest about how am I doing as a manager. You know, let me know because as great as I might think I am, somebody else might be like, "Yeah, not so much." <laughs> so I think that's really important to be to be open to it and to even be reading a book that tells you how to gather and internalize and what to do with all the, the feedback that you're that you're getting, and then even to ask the right questions because I think sometimes when we're Um, polling an audience, whether it's a customer satisfaction survey or some other type of survey, it's really also knowing what are the right questions
0: to even be asking to get what you, what you need. So. And the thing is feedback typically makes you feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, but the thing is growth does not happen in your Mm -hmm. comfort zone. Not at all. The only way that you grow is to be uncomfortable. And so, receiving that feedback, feeling that discomfort, and then growing I from that—I could not that. agree more. So, I'm very curious mm-hmm.
1: about when you are not being education superwoman. What are you up to when you're not educating, advocating, training? What What is what is Miss Murphy's uh, downtime look like?
0: Um, I'm kind of always <laughs> doing that. <laughs> even when right. I am on vacation, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my students could learn about this. Let me take these pictures. <laughs> but I like to, um, I like to travel. I like to road trip. Okay. So my husband and I have a, have a little small um, travel trailer, a little RV, and we hitch it onto the back of the truck and we just, and we just go.
1: Oh, wow. Um, now, what are some of your favorite places that you've been or sites that you've seen? Um, I think my
0: favorite place is Colorado. Okay. Wow. I think my favorite place is Colorado. It literally looks like a postcard. It's so beautiful. Wonderful. I love that. So to be,
1: and see, that's the other thing about it, to go back to freedom. In addition to all of the other ways that freedom plays out, you know, you have the ability when you need to, to pack up, disconnect Mm -hmm. from the world hop in your truck and you guys can just go and And we can just
0: go. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. I like to be here working, but if we wanted to, we could just hitch, hitch up the trailer and go. Um, but, um, yeah, the freedom is like when things are happening and within the family unit, I'm able to have my team continue all of my tutoring sessions and keep everything running while I'm taking care of business with, with whatever's going on with the family. So yeah, we just came back from a trip in January. We drove through up to Georgia and down to Florida and back. Um, the the MLK weekend because I was okay. in Georgia on MLK Day um, at the MLK Memorial. That was like my biggest uh, bucket list, I guess, thing that I wanted to do um, in in Atlanta. So, uh, and but my center continued to run. You know, my team my team kept the kids going through. I have a camera here. I can see what's happening. You know, so. I love it. That's awesome. Um, what was the most,
1: like, unexpected challenge of doing all of this? You know, sometimes we have it laid out in our brain sort of what this process may look like. And I was, I was joking with um, a, a, one of the young ladies. I, I'm a volunteer running coach. And she and I were talking at practice the other day. And she, we were talking about adulthood, right? And the straight line that we all thought adulthood would be. Um, so as far as entrepreneurship and, and building and growing your business, what was the most
0: unexpected challenge that you faced? Um, I think the most unexpected challenge was the one thing that I didn't know when I first started, and this is kind of off of education, it's more business is, um, knowing how to build not only your business, but build your business credit. Building business credit, um, having a relationship with creditors so that you can get the things that you need for your business. Um, That was something I didn't know, which made it super challenging in the very beginning because everything came out of my pocket. Now these are things that I know how to build my business? Where to get business credit? How to get the technology? How to get the bookshelves? How to get the things that I need? Now it's better, right? But in the very beginning, a lot of business, uh, small businesses, they don't know these things. So um, the one teacher that I am coaching, um, she's wanting to open up a tutoring center, and that's the first thing I'm telling her: Hey, you need to get get that, get, make your, get your EIN number, you know, get, get your DUNS number, get those net 30 accounts, get though, you know, do this, do that. Don't put your social in anything. Right. So, um, because that was like the biggest thing for me, she was like, how do I get the desk and how do I get to this? And I don't have the money. And that was a huge, that was a huge thing for me getting the materials and the equipment that I needed to even open my doors. Um, so not knowing that kind of made it difficult. Sure, no, I can, I can only
1: imagine. And it's funny how much of that turns into learn as you go for a lot of people, right? And yeah. make your missteps and then you course correct. And I, the other part I think I love so much about the the coaching and the advocacy part is that you really get the opportunity to teach people how to fend for themselves, for lack of better phrasing, you know, whether it's a, a parent giving them the confidence to make sure that they're present and understand what their child needs and to be able to, to move forward. The same with the teacher who looks at your path and says, why can't I do that? And, and I really love people who are um, patient enough to teach and to sort of guide other people through the things that they don't know. And then not to be afraid to say, hey, when I got started, this is what I didn't know. And so let me tell you, so you don't make some of the same mistakes that I did. Okay. And a lot right. of people will let you think that it was all gravy, you know, the path that mm-hmm. they took, and they don't want to tell you what their mistakes and their missteps were. And so there's a um, there's something to be said about saying, hey, let me tell you where I didn't get it right
0: so that you know, your journey can look a little bit different than mine and exactly. hopefully for the better. Yeah. Yeah. It was not always rainbows and, and glitter and right and um, unicorns. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um tell me where can
1: actually before before I ask you that, I want to ask you one more thing. Um because if there's if there's one thing I know about entrepreneurship, there's a viewpoint that that some folks can have what is the best insult that you've ever received as you've gone along this journey
0: as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. the best insult is um, they'll either say you're doing too much or you're doing the most mmm If not me, then who? Right. Yeah. If not me, then who?
1: I love that. Can I put a period, like right there? Period. (laughs) Yeah. And I I don't even have a a follow-up for that because I think you you summed it up very, very, very well. Um, I have a friend that (laughs) she's been an entrepreneur for a long, long, long time and people call her all sorts of crazy. And, um, you know, she often hears, oh, so how's your little, how's your little business going? You know, you still doing that little thing that you've been working on? And, you know, it's, it's interesting how people can, can take those jabs, but, you know, you, you stand so confidently in knowing that you are exactly where you need to be doing exactly what you were born to do. And if there's one thing that's evident is that the results they will, the results speak for themselves, you know, um, there's, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You can just look at the fruit of your labor and say, you know, number one, look at the people that I've served, look at the the people that I've helped, but also I have the freedom to do exactly what I want to do, how I want to do it because I made this leap and that's tremendous. That is, that is huge.
0: Yeah. My, my, my prayer is always, my prayer is always place me where you want me to be. Send me who you need me to help. I am your servant. And so I don't, I don't worry about who's coming or if they're coming or if they're going to register, if they God will give me who he wants me to help and and, yeah and that's that and so if it is advocacy and consulting and and pd trainings and um conferences and tutoring that's where he needs me that's what he needs me to do and you will continue to do the most because (laughs) that is exactly what you're
1: supposed to be doing that's right yeah i love it so where can we find you on social facebook instagram any of it where can we find you
0: okay so um i do have i do have a couple of different places where i can be found so uh, little scholars is on facebook and we are little scholars tutoring and it is s period a period little scholars tutoring okay and that's on facebook um on we also have an instagram And my Instagram is, um, is LST. Remember anytime you see LST, it means little scholars tutoring (laughs) is LST underscore educational underscore consulting. Um, we are also on the TikTok (laughs) (laughs) and the TikTok, um, we are at S dot a dot teacher mentor.
1: The TikTok, I, the I TikTok. struggle with the TikTok. I'm here to tell you, like I can't even. I,
0: I, I am still getting used to the TikTok. My daughter was looking at it. She was like, "Mom, your TikToks are pretty good." Okay, I was like, "Really?"
1: Listen, if the if the if there's there's a certain generation that if they tell you that you got the TikTok, then you you know what you're doing.
0: And I am I've not been told that. So, well, you will never catch me dancing right. on TikTok. <laughs> Not
1: good. Yes, no. So, Miss Murphy, thank you so much for stopping by today, and thanks so much for sharing your your journey with us. I am one hundred percent sure that uh, our listeners and viewers will find it insightful, inspiring. Um, My prayer is that you have continued success, and um, you guys know where to find her online. And what's your website? Do you have a website as well?
0: Yes. My website is Sa SALittlescholarsTutoring.com. Tutoring.com. So you
1: guys go find her there. If you are an educator in need of coaching, if you are a um, parent, teacher, student in need of her services, um, there's no doubt in my mind that she will deliver. You all have been listening and watching Press Play with Coach K. I am your host, Kimberly Monroe, and I'll see y'all soon. Bye. <laughs>